Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Time once again for the Bama Online Podcast. It is a Sunday morning edition of the show. Travis Schreier, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, back with you right here. We got a lot to get into this morning. We're going to talk some Alabama men's basketball following its latest blowout win over a road opponent at Coleman Coliseum, a 49-point margin of victory for Nate Oates' team and a bounce-back performance following the midweek loss up in Knoxville. Alabama takes apart the Georgia Bulldogs on Saturday evening at Coleman Coliseum. We'll also talk some football. We're going to get more into the interior offensive line positions for Alabama moving forward. you got some key departures there with Emil Echior moving on, with Javion Cohen moving on. We'll talk about that and how that impacts things when you look at the guard and center positions for Alabama football in 2023. You know, I thought this was going to be really, what, our first weekend without football of any kind? And then I remembered, then I was reminded anyway, on Saturday, you got the XFL, baby, the latest iteration of the league cranking back up, this time with The Rock as one of the major domos of the XFL. We'll see if it goes better for The Rock than it did maybe the first couple times around for his old boss there. Vince McMahon. You also have A.J. McCarron. You're looking for something to do on a Sunday? A.J. and the St. Louis Battlehawks going to tee it up on Sunday afternoon out in San Antonio. I believe it's San Antonio. But A.J., 32 years old. Where did the time go, right? A.J. McCarron and the Battlehawks of St. Louis going to tee it up on Sunday afternoon. Let's talk some Alabama men's basketball first, though. In staying unbeaten at home for the 2022-2023 season, again, it was a complete dismantling of the Georgia Bulldogs on Saturday afternoon. Alabama races out to another massive first-half lead at home before coasting to a 108-59 win over the visitors from Athens. The blowout avenged the Dogs' only SEC win from a season ago. That's right, Tom Crean in his final season at UGA, the Dogs went 1-17. You know, and given that a lot of the key pieces for this year's team weren't around a year ago, Saturday evening had more of the feeling of UA bouncing back from the midweek loss at Tennessee than maybe a revenge factor with Georgia from a year ago. The Crimson Tide goes 10-18 of 18 from three in the first half on Saturday evening. But it really started with Georgia not being able to stop the ball. And, you know, when Jaden Bradley dishes out, what, seven assists and just 14 minutes of work, you know things are clicking for Alabama on the offensive end. And after being hammered in points off turnovers in Knoxville, Alabama cleaned things up in the turnover department and got clean looks both close and from distance throughout Saturday's contest with a couple of defensive guys in Herb Jones and Nick Saban in the building. They actually were sharing a row there together 
in the north end zone at Coleman Coliseum. Alabama kept another SEC opponent to fewer than 70 points. Kind of felt like Nick Pringle's senior day, even though Nick's not a senior and even though it wasn't senior day. It was that type of performance for the junior college transfer. As he goes for 19 points and 12 rebounds, you can pick a stat just about in this game. There are a couple that might surprise you that Georgia was actually competitive in some statistical areas. But one of those was not rebounds. Alabama dominated the glass to the tune of 49-26. to And for a couple of guys, you think about bounce-back performances, especially for Mark Sears after that forgettable performance at Tennessee midweek. An encouraging start for Sears, pouring in 15 of his 17 points in the first half. Brandon Miller with another standout performance, 18 of his own in the first half. So a combined 33 points for Miller and Sears in what felt like the first 10 minutes of the game, let alone the first 20 minutes. And again, some areas where you might have been surprised in retrospect to see Georgia shoot 30 free throws because that's something they did in the win over Alabama a year ago. Wrote about that in three predictions for Georgia-Alabama on Friday there at BamaOnline.com. Didn't think Georgia would get to 30 free throws, but they did it. Still lose by essentially 50 points. And Again, when Alabama makes 16 threes, hands out 26 assists, and believe it or not, 26 assists on Saturday was not a season high. Alabama had 29 in a home wrecking of Vanderbilt a couple weeks ago, and Alabama gets 52 points from its bench, so almost half of its scoring Saturday came from the Alabama bench. That's when games turn from run-of-the-mill wins into the type of performance where you're looking at the UA record book to find out exactly where this one stands in UA Hoops history. I mean, you go up and down this box score, and there's positives to be found throughout the uh, essentially a a clearing of the bench that Nate Oates was able to uh, resort to there with about four minutes left in the game. Adam Cottrell comes off the bench, the walk on and knocks down a three. Always good to see those guys get opportunities and not just in terms of the last 30 or 40 seconds. To be able to play essentially a section of the game that encompasses media timeouts, uh, that's always a good thing. And Jaden Bradley took the donut in terms of scoring, but again, seven assists in 14 minutes of action. He only took one shot. He missed two free throws. Jaden a little bit weird in that regard here of late. Just doesn't seem to be always getting to the top of his shot pushing it a little bit, it seems like, Uh, and that was the case for him. He did make 10 free throws in Knoxville at midweek, so that was a good thing. Uh, But Jaden, a guy that when Alabama is knocking down 16 of 34 shots from three, probably not going to have to take a lot of shots. We talked about Sears. He finishes with 17. Betty Ako playing a bit with a banged-up knee. Six points, didn't need him as much. 13 minutes, but six rebounds still within that condensed playing time. Noah Clowney knocks down a couple of threes. That was one of the encouraging aspects of Saturday's game, too, because you're going to still need that from Noah Clowney, I think, here down the stretch. He goes for 12-5, and just 17 minutes of work. 21 points in 21 minutes for Brandon Miller. It's been that type of efficiency that you've grown accustomed to with the outstanding freshman. 7 of 10 from the field, 3 of 5 from 3. Ryland Griffin, good to see him get back on the horse as well. 13 points off the bench. He goes 3 of 6 from 3 and 20 minutes of action. I thought also Dom Welch with some productive minutes, some encouraging minutes. 8 points. He's perfect from the field, perfect from the free throw line. 15 minutes of work, 8 points, 3 rebounds. 
And, of course, just a massive day for Nick Pringle. He goes for 19 points in 21 minutes, 9 of 12 from the field, just 1 of 5 from the free throw line, 12 rebounds, a team-high 12 rebounds for Nick Pringle in his latest outing. And it seems like you're seeing Pringle take on more of a defined, legitimate rotational role. Not this sort of, oh, crap, we got a couple of bigs with two early fouls. Now we're going to go to Pringle. But I think you're seeing more of Pringle being a guy that Nate Oates is comfortable with. Would like to see him get the fouls down a little bit. He had three fouls in the game. And sometimes his post defense comes into question a little bit. But again, a performance in which Alabama... Dominant throughout, second chance points, Alabama with a 20-6 to edge. Bench points, 52-15, to Alabama's bench outscored the reserves from Georgia. 44-28 points in the paint. Georgia did have eight steals in the game. So there are some things that Nate Oates will look to, including turnovers once again, uh, and I'm sure circle some of those. But, boy, the, the psyche of this team, if you had maybe questioned that a little bit, you shouldn't have. You shouldn't have at this point because we had seen following the previous three losses, Alabama bounced back. Now, needed, it felt like a couple of days to get that one against North Carolina settled out in Portland following the loss to UConn in that event. But otherwise, very, very impressive, emphatic in getting wins following losses this season has been this Alabama club. So down the stretch they come in the SEC with Alabama and Texas A&M and what is looking more and more like a two-horse race. By the way, if you're waiting on Texas A&M to drop another game before UA visits the Aggies on the final day of the regular season, I'm not sure I would hold my breath at this point. Buzz Williams' team is in full stride. Went 2-0 during this week with the home win over Arkansas. Arkansas had some chances to really help Alabama in College Station midweek. It did not happen. And then I was very impressed by A&M to go into Missouri where the culture and the atmosphere there seems to have really picked up under first-year coach Dennis Gates and really control that game in a nine-point victory on the road in Columbia, Missouri on Saturday. And even if you look at the remaining schedules for Alabama and Texas A&M, it looks favorable for the Aggies, who are one game back of Alabama going into the upcoming week. You've got Tennessee visiting Texas A&M midweek coming up. And I know on paper that looks like, oh, that could be a loss. But I think we can agree Tennessee may be at home a little bit different team than Tennessee on the road, as we saw on Saturday as the Vols go to Lexington and get bombed by the Wildcats. And then the Aggies visit the state of Mississippi for back-to-back road games at Mississippi State next Saturday, and then a midweek game the following week against Ole Miss in Oxford. And then it's on to March the 4th. Alabama heads to Reed Arena for what could be the defining game of the SEC season. A&M and Alabama, the two teams in the league with one or fewer home losses. A&M with one home loss this season. Alabama undefeated at home, as we know. A&M's lone home loss without Googling. Can you do it? Without going to 12thman.com or whatever it is. Can you do it? I'll go ahead and give it to you. A&M's lone home loss of this season. Wofford, the Terriers, back on December the 20th. That's the kind of run that A&M has been on since the start of SEC play. For Alabama, there is plenty of business to be handled before now and then, though. Alabama goes to South Carolina coming up on Wednesday night. The Gamecocks have won two of their last three. Okay, so those wins 
came against two teams with a combined SEC record of 3-25 and 25 this season. I'm talking about Ole Miss and LSU. Still, Alabama's home games, Arkansas and Auburn coming up. Plenty to think about with those matchups. What kind of Nick Smith for Arkansas will Alabama see coming up next weekend? I don't think motivation will be a problem for an Auburn team that fretted away a lead for much of that first matchup with the Crimson Tide a couple of Saturdays ago. So thoughts about a potential number one overall seed. We saw that all over the weekend. Alabama, as it sits right now, at the tournament were played today, were started today, teams were selected today. Alabama would be the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament. But you can't think about potential lead eight matchups with UCLA and all that. You're going to have to wait for that because, again, legitimate hurdles for this team to clear between now and and that visit to College Station in two Saturdays. All right, so let's talk some American intercollegiate varsity tackle football here on the Sunday edition of the Bama Online Podcast. We're going to talk interior offensive line for the Alabama Crimson Tide. We're going to talk about who's returning, who's in the mix, who's joining the mix. We're going to start, though, with some key departures. Departures plenty here since the end of the 2022 season for Alabama. Three-year starter and Emil Echior is taking his shot at the National Football League. He had a team-high 31 knockdown blocks in 2022. He was recognized as a first-team All-SEC selection by both the league coaches and the Associated Press. Meanwhile, Javion Cohen, a two-year starter at left guard, made the move to Miami via the transfer portal. He was a second-team All-SEC selection by league coaches in 2022, posted 17 knockdown blocks last season while allowing 1.5 sacks and committing three penalties. You had a couple of reserves who made the move to the transfer portal as well, landing at SEC destinations in the process when you talk about Damian George, now of the University of Florida, and Tanner Bowles goes back to his home state of Kentucky to join UK and the Wildcats. And still, even with those departures, here comes a nice core of interior candidates for Eric Wolford to look to develop and push to the next level. You bring back a couple of starting centers. Not many places in college football can say, you know what, we're bringing back two centers who have each played more than 1,000 snaps of SEC football. But that's the situation Alabama is in with Seth McLaughlin and Darian Dahlcourt back for another season. McLaughlin has taken over for Dahlcourt in the second half of the last two seasons. Dahlcourt has decided, apparently, that he will come back for a graduate year at Alabama. Tyler Booker, the guy that I think most people are enamored with, and with good reason, you saw him as a true freshman. No real drop-off while rotating in there at the guard spots with Cohen and Echior in 2022. So a building block or two for sure. When you talk about Booker, McLaughlin, Darian Dahlcourt, you also bring back some guys that you saw elevate to the second team at times the last couple of seasons. Terrence Ferguson still a guy I think can start, can be that kind of guy at the Southeastern Conference level. Jaden Roberts, a massive guard prospect in his own right. You saw those guys late in that Kansas State win in the Sugar Bowl when Alabama made the substitutions from the starters to the next group. Terrence Ferguson was in there. Jaden Roberts was in there. You also bring back James Brockermeyer at the center position. And we'll talk a little bit about Rock Montgomery 
coming up in uh, in just a little bit. Uh, previously, uh, Rock went by Raquiz McEldery. A little bit of a change there uh, for his name on the the recently updated roster at RollTide.com. So once you get beyond Booker and McLaughlin, with Dalcourt again, it's been more of an issue of injuries each of the last two seasons. He started the 2021 and 2022 seasons as the guy over the football, but wasn't able to sustain that situation. 2021, he had a couple sprained ankles. Tough to play any position with one sprained ankle. To play center with two, yeah, that's that's tough. So your wish for Darian Dalcourt is health, first and foremost. And so with Dahlcourt and McLaughlin back, one of the questions you're going to have going into spring practice is, is there a scenario where both those guys could be on the field together? We know a tried and true approach for Nick Saban offensive lines is to get the best five guys on the field. It's almost a feeling of, all right, identify our top five, and then we'll sort it all out positionally from there. And so you think about Dahlcourt and McLaughlin, And you understand that Alabama cross-trains a lot of guys between the center and guard positions. And it's reasonable to consider that maybe you have, let's say, McLaughlin at center, Dahlcourt at a guard, Booker maybe at the other guard. That would be a very easy way to look at it. I don't think it's going to be that simple. It may end up that way. That's certainly a scenario that's worth considering as we sit here in mid-February. But we've also seen scenarios in the past where young tackles come in and initially get their first work at guard before going outside to tackle. So let's say a second-year tackle like Elijah Pritchett shows that he's capable of holding down maybe right tackle with J.C. Latham going over to left tackle. In comes a Caden Proctor, another one of these outstanding young prospects on the offensive line for the 2023 signing class. One of those guys is able to hold it down inside at guard. Booker at left guard, maybe. And then you've got the two centers from which you can allow them to battle it out. And again, none of this is to say Ferguson and Roberts won't be in the mix at guard. We outlined where they were at on the two deep at the end of the 2022 season. And when you look at these guys, they absolutely fit the bill in terms of physical attributes needed to compete as third-year players. I think with both those guys, you don't have really any questions in terms of power. I think when you start talking about short space ability, maybe footwork, what they can get done in the zone run game that's been a big part of the Alabama offense, and maybe some of the stuff that's coming – with Tommy Reese in charge of the offense. You know, Reese at Notre Dame this past season was a big fan of the duo run play, which entails double teams initially at the point of attack. And so big guys like Alabama already has in its system and a couple of the guys that it's bringing in in its most recent class, you could envision scenarios where they would be very effective in that type of scheme, like a Roberts, like a Ferguson. And maybe that's where you have more questions about the potential of two centers essentially being on the field together. In other words, if you go with McLaughlin and Dahlcourt at center and guard, do you feel like you have enough power on the interior? I would say you would love to have a combination of one of your center's agility and ability to move, and then the power of, say, a Ferguson and or a Roberts. Maybe Caden Proctor is a guy that is a very happy median between that. 
But again, it is something we have seen in the past with guys like Alex Leatherwood, guys like Evan Neal, a pair of eventual first-round tackles who got that initial work at the guard position. A lot of potential scenarios, a lot of intrigue for an area that hasn't had a lot of turnover in the last three or four years. You know what else we like about this time of year? We get sort of this convergence of the spring sports cranking up. And with that, you've got Alabama baseball and Alabama softball underway. Brad Bohannon's club won the first two games of its weekend series with Richmond at the Joe outscoring the Spiders 25-3 to on Friday and Saturday. Interesting little road trip coming up next weekend for Alabama baseball. Going out to Malibu to take on the Waves of Pepperdine. That's a nice trip. Kudos to the uh, the director of baseball ops or whoever scheduled that little trip out to Malibu. If you haven't been out there, it's just absolutely gorgeous. One of the most breathtaking views you'll ever see in collegiate athletics, certainly in college baseball. Meanwhile, Patrick Murphy's 27th softball team at the University of Alabama is into its second weekend of play for the 2023 season. The Crimson Tide down in Clearwater at the Clearwater Invitational. Alabama won three of its first four games down there at the event. The long loss coming to one of the all-time, if not the all-time program in college softball. A respectable performance against UCLA in a loss. But wins over ranked teams in Duke and UCF. Going to have another ranked matchup later today, taking on Florida State on Sunday afternoon to cap the event for Alabama softball. You're going to be able to watch that, by the way. That'll be on ESPN later on Sunday if you hear this before the game actually gets underway. And with that, it's a wrap for the latest edition of the Bama Online Podcast. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in, and thank you for hanging out with us right there at BamaOnline.com. My tremendous staff mate, site publisher Tim Watts, senior team reporter Charlie Potter, senior recruiting analyst Hank South, do such a tremendous job. And, of course, the all-timer, the icon, Kirk McNair as well. We've got plenty of Alabama-related updates and talk for you right there at BamaOnline.com. Hang out with us on the Roundtable, the premium message board of choice for Alabama fans around the globe. If you haven't subscribed to this podcast yet, we certainly hope you'll consider doing that as well. Simple as a click or two. And if you would leave us a rating and a review, that would help us out, and we would thank you tremendously for that as well. The Bama Online Podcast. Anywhere you consume podcasts, you're going to find us. Travis Ryder thanking you once again, and until next time, so long, everybody. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.